This is Michael, you're listening to Models of Masters, and I'm so grateful you're here. I'm breaking down personal stories, learned wisdom, and pieces of insight I hope can help you along your journey. Head over to my website, michaelbecker.org, for much more. And with that, let's get right into the show. The Great Resignation. I love that term. I find it slightly humorous, but also incredibly accurate. And if you're not familiar or you haven't heard that term yet, what it essentially describes is this shifting work culture where everybody and everything is moving to a remote. People are seeing how redundant and pointless going in to any, any office job is. Um, and I say that humbly and I say that from a place of observation, not to rustle feathers, but the world has fundamentally changed. I don't think people realize how big of a shift we are in the midst of right now with the, the intersection of culture and productivity and digitization and work-life balance and, you know, lifestyle design. I mean, all of these are converging at a point and Mark and I get deep into this topic. You know, he's held executive leadership roles at some of the biggest food chain brands in the world, the Cheesecake Factory, Noodles and Company, Mimi's, and others. He's also a senior leader with Conscious Capitalism, and he runs his own heart-centered consultancy to help others match their work with their life's mission. We talk about how to find your purpose, but more importantly, how to mesh it with your work once you do. And I think as a result of asking a lot of these questions, perhaps spurred by this mass exodus that I mentioned from the prison that is in-person labor, I think more people are starting to wake up to the reality of this new normal. And I hate that phrase because it's overdone, but that's what it is. You know, people are realizing they don't have to work in the way that they've been conditioned to believe they had to. They're opting out. They're opting out of the hours, of the pointless conversations and meetings, of the monotony, of the grind, and quite frankly, of selling out. And instead, they're discovering that they're able to have their time and their space back and they're seeking freedom and they're seeking choice in what what they work on and when they work on it. And most importantly, they're refocusing on discovery of their own passions. COVID shook up the world and rattled us free in the process. My guest in today's episode, Mark Mears and I examined the macro and the micro shifts that we're seeing emerge in the wake of all of this change, plus the concept of quiet quitting and how organizations are going to have to shift to create more meaningful experiences for their teams. The world is changing. Are you brave enough to create a new earth of independence, joy, and happiness where you're able to match your profession with your purpose? Let's dive in with today's guest, author, speaker, consultant, and creator of the revolutionary four-leaf growth model, Mark A. Mears as we break down this revolution and what it means for the future of how we work. Well, Mark, we were just talking a little bit off the air about, you know, what's going on both at a macro and micro level within the, the world and, and the workforce, you know, more specifically. And I like, I like this term that, uh, I don't know if, I don't know if it's being widely adopted yet, but the, the great resignation, um, to kind of describe the, you know, the passive approach that a lot of employees have have sort of shifted into as a result of this work from home uh, uh, style that has evolved from obviously the pandemic over the last couple of years. Kind of talk about just what you're seeing overall trends like from the macro um, around that. 
Yeah, the term the Great Resignation has been widely adopted, um, but it's one I don't agree with. Um, for example, I think of the word resign, and that means either people have resigned and quit altogether, or worse yet, they've resigned themselves to an unsatisfying status quo, yeah. and they've quit yet stayed. Yeah. So you're hearing now this term quiet quitting. Well, it's always been around. It's just that now it's gotten a lot more publicity because of the lack of engagement. I mean, Gallup suggested um, that 51% of the people in the workforce are actively looking for another job. And that was two years before the pandemic. So now what's happened is in mass, people have said, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And essentially, um, I, I looked at a study that was released uh, several months ago now, but it was from um, the MIT's management uh, or Sloan Management School of Business at MIT that suggested that in their interviews of 34 million people who mm -hmm. left the workforce during this two and a half, three years in, of COVID, the number one reason when asked why was toxic work environment. And that's 10x more than the second highest reason and compensation didn't come in until number 16 on the list essentially people are, are saying that they're tired of this kind of command and control style of management yeah. and this environment that treats them like an employee number uh, right. or some sort of worker or automaton instead of a human being that has multiple elements a holistic uh a human form that comes to that workplace and not just a sliver of ourselves. And they felt like this was a time or time out, if you will, for those of us with kids um, that gave us an opportunity to really reflect on not only what, but who matters most in our lives. Maybe we got COVID ourselves or a family member, or maybe we know someone close to us that died as yeah. a result of it. And with the isolation that we also had, I think it gave us a chance to really reflect on what do we want most out of our lives and who matters most to us. Now, how do we connect the dots between our life and our work? And many of us have said, I don't want to suffer through an unsatisfying status quo. Life is short. And that was made known to us very clearly and randomly with people that you would never think uh, that had financial means for the best best healthcare possible, and yet they still succumbed to this uh, disease that is not uh, a, a white or black or a red or blue or you know American thing. It's a global thing. We all were faced with it, and we all had to deal with it in our own way. And I think a lot of people yeah. are now using this opportunity to reflect not only on what they want out of life, but who matters most to us and want to be more fulfilled in their work. I think it, it put things in perspective too, right? Yeah. I mean, going back to what you were saying about people really coming back to their core and, and looking at what matters and who matters. And I think for me, when I thought about those questions, it was pretty self-evident and obvious. And I was like, I matter, like my, the thing that matters to me is me and my happiness. And I think a lot of people sort of woke up to the reality um, and I don't, I'm not trying to ruffle feathers and be controversial, but you know, if, if they don't have to do certain things or work in a certain style that they've been conditioned in for their entire careers, 
by getting out of the office or working remotely, then they're not going to do it. And you see that a lot, I think, in, in my generation of millennials, you know, very much so where I, I we want we want flexibility, we want freedom, we don't want to be chained to a desk or an office. And once I was able to, to get out of the office, um, my entire demeanor, my personality, my disposition, it all shifted. And I realized, and I've heard other people say this too, um, it's it's like we, we escaped prison and I feel that way. I mean, I'll go on the record as saying that, you know, it, I escaped and I'm so grateful for that, but it also has just helped me to be able to focus more on the things that matter to me when I want to focus on them and to work how I want to work and to be more creative in my own space and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's dead on, Michael, and that's consistent with the research. And uh, as a, a father of 24, almost 25 year old twin daughters, I can uh, attest to the fact that they view the world of work in a much through a much different lens than yeah. when, when when I was coming up. We didn't have a choice, and it was uh, very uh, common to work in a command and control environment where you just sucked it up because you needed a job to support a family and to support your you know career goals and this that and the other thing but we 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 took it because we had to and now people don't have to and so they're voting <clears throat> with their vocations and saying you know i mean i just heard you say the word prison like really and and yet when i decided was toxic work environment now you can define toxic any way you want um, it could be uh, people that make you feel less than. It could make you feel like you don't have any autonomy or empowerment. You're just told to do a task and you don't really see how it fits into the broader scheme. Yeah. Uh, it could be you have a boss, and I don't use the word boss for myself, I use the word leader because mm -hmm. for me, that is uh, based on a reciprocal agreement that I have with my team to lead every single day versus the title on a business card or yeah. on a door that was yeah. given to me. It's probably temporary at best, Yeah. right? So if you have someone that treats you like a subordinate, and I hate that word, but a boss comes in and says, here's what I want you to do and walks out the door instead of coaching you through the process of here's why this is so important to the grand scheme of things yes. that is also what you signed up for when you joined this company and this culture. And it's designed to fit into a bigger, broader scheme of things than just the myopic day-to-day -day punch in, punch out, you know, get paid every other week and live to work for the weekends. And you think about it, you know, in our adult lives, right, we're gonna be working about a third, right? In a 24 hour day, which last time I checked, we all have 24 hours in a day, and about a third of that time is spent working, a third of that time is spent sleeping, and the rest of it's living. Well, that's not very satisfying. I'd rather at least spend almost 70% of my time living. And that means being able to live and grow into my purpose while at work and getting paid for it mm -hmm. and doing work that's satisfying. And to your point, having freedom to be able to explore and create versus feeling like I have to just do. I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that, you know, it's, there's a lot going on, right, on, on multiple levels, but I think overall, it feels like it is a time of reset. And uh, 
you know, when we can view this new dynamic, I don't like the term the new normal either, by the way,、mm-hmm. um, just feels like an evolution for me of the way that I had operated for maybe the first seven to eight years of my career. And I am enjoying this evolution.、Um, but it's really a chance, I think, to, to allow not just the up and coming you know, cohort of, of younger professionals, but for everybody. You know, to come into this new time of purpose, like you mentioned,、yeah. where we can really engage and empower people、um, to create great things together. And so it's, it's a time that you coined the great repurposing. And I want to get your thoughts on that. What does that look like as far as work and culture and team building goes, not just now, but the next three, five, ten years? Yeah, that's great, Michael. And, and first, I, before I get into that, I want to challenge your word of, of evolution. I believe this is a revolution.、Mm-hmm. And here's why I say that doing a little bit of research into the word revolution, it's more than hyperbole. It has three meanings that I found. One is an uprising of the people. Well, right now, the people are voting,、um, such as yourselves, the millennials and the Gen Z and the Zillennials that、uh, kind of bridge the gap are basically saying, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. So they are、um, uh, creating a revolution in a way that most people think of, you know,、uh, French Revolution, American Revolution,、um, Arab Spring, Black Lives Matter. These are all revolutions. These are all catalytic events that have changed the course of history, not in an evolutionary way, but in a revolutionary way. The second definition is a dramatic change in the status quo. Well, now with where we are within this kind of,、uh, we're still in COVID, by the way, but in a different way. Okay, maybe we're not having as many cases reported per day or deaths reported per day, but it's still impacting our way of life because when we all were forced to work remotely, there are now people that are not really wanting to go back to the workforce. Or the, the workplace, a, a physical office place that we all grew up with, right? And there are managers that are wanting their team members to be there in person. And now there's this kind of push pull of how many you know, days or hours do I need to be physically in the workplace to be able to do some of the things, to interact with other human beings and create a culture that is、uh, more humanistic as, a pro- as opposed to one that's more digital. Like we're doing on here, right? I'm not physically with you and we're relating, and we can do that on some level, but I'm not sure we could do it on as deep a level as if we were having a beer together, right? right. Getting to know each other and our backgrounds and, and our respective hearts.、Um, and, and so I think that's where there is this kind of、uh, where is it all going? Because I don't think we're going to be able to put the genie back in the bottle. I don't think that employers are going to be able to mandate. Uh, their team members to come back to the physical space、mm-hmm. if they're not、um, up to it.、Right. Either there's still a fear of COVID, and that's real. Okay. I know friends are getting it every other day, right?、Mm-hmm. Now, it may not be as harsh in its recovery as it was, and through the vaccinations and boosts and things of that nature, and better social distancing and, and, and practices of,、okay. of healthcare that we're all. Now, attuned to that we took for granted before,、yeah. um, I believe there's now this question of where is it going? And the great Winston Churchill had a phrase that I love, which was never let a good crisis go to waste. And I think this crisis 
is an opportunity for us now to say, how do we maximize the benefits of what has been catastrophic, right? How do we turn a negative and turn it into a really incredible positive that can create step function change growth? So if uh, uh, the second definition of revolution was a dramatic change in the status quo, that's what we're living in, right? right. And then the third definition is, which is really important, and, and another one that I think will be obvious when I say it, but it is one object encircling another, right? And so think about this idea of um, the Earth revolving around the sun, right? 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, there are four seasons. So I've coined this idea that I learned the hard way, whereas I used to believe in the rule of threes I now believe in the higher power of fours. There are four seasons, not three. Yeah. There are four directions, not three. There are four chambers to the human heart, not three. Yeah. There are four elements to an atom, the source of all life, not three. I could go on and on with this foreplay, but you get where I'm going, yeah. where I'm going. And so this idea of the higher power of fours led me to this model that is based on an epiphany that I had several years ago when I was unceremoniously let go as the, the president and chief concept officer for a fairly large half a billion dollar 150 unit casual dining chain based in Southern okay. California. Okay. I was brought in when I was the uh, chief marketing officer for the Cheesecake Factory to become president, chief concept officer, turn around the brand that was double digit negative, <clears throat> excuse me, in sales and put a new concept in the ground that the parent company, which was publicly traded, could put capital behind to grow the enterprise. That sounded pretty good to me and a really important challenge that I felt like I was ready for at that point in my career. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to report that we did that. I built a team, we established a vision, we worked our butt off and we turned that business around through three different things, I believe, in the rule of threes at that time. I said, leadership, we're going to need leadership up and down the line. This isn't going to be easy. and Everyone's going to have to step up and be a leader. We need an engagement, engagement with your heart, head, hands and habits to where we could get everybody engaged in the process because this was not going to be an easy turnaround. And then accountability, accountability to each other, ourselves, but also accountability to our parent company that was publicly traded because we were the, the division that was bringing down the stock price. And so we needed all those three things for sure. And I tied that into my monthly messages to my executive team. I sent out uh, group voicemails. I use it as part of a recognition and reward program where I said, hey, Michael Becker is showing great leadership and look at the results he's getting where Michael is engaging his team and, and here's how they're accomplishing these great goals or Michael's mm -hmm. holding his team accountable and here's how we're doing it until I realized at the very end we had done everything we were asked to do only to be sold to a new company a new brand that came in with a new leadership team and said thanks Mark but we'll take it from here yeah so that deal closed on a Friday on Monday, I was supposed to meet with the CEO to, to plot our new future together. And at 8.01, um, I'm out the door. Hmm. Where he says, basically, we'll take it from here. We've decided to move in a different direction. So the yeah. point is, even in, uh, you know, w when you do everything you're asked to do, somebody else may come in and take that from you. 
Right. And it right. wasn't just me, it was my whole team. And so I drove back from Orange County to Valencia where I was living. If you know much about LA, it's about two hour plus drive. But I had been staying in a hotel from Sunday night through Thursday each week, um, sacrificing my time with my family, um, doing something I thought that was heroic. And we were chasing numbers to be chasing numbers and we were burning the candle at both ends. And while we were thrilled with the outcome, it wasn't until I got home that night and after a fitful night of sleep, I get up the next day, this was February of 2013, take the dog out back and we had a fig tree in our backyard. And it was barren from the six or eight weeks of winter that we do get. But there, as God is my witness, Michael, as the sun was coming up over the wall in our backyard, it shone on that little fig tree. And at the end of one branch was this tiny green sprig of a leaf just starting to bud. And it was there I got that epiphany that leaf serves as a metaphor for growth, a symbol sure. of rebirth. And yeah. I took the dog in and I just started thinking about this. And I went to my office and I started banging out a treatment for this idea of leaf as a metaphor for growth, a symbol of rebirth. And then it hit me. It, what was missing for me was the F, fulfillment. I wasn't calling it Lee. It was leadership, engagement, accountability, the rule of threes, until I realized there is a higher power of fours. What was missing was fulfillment for me, my team, uh, our families. And so that's when I realized there was this four circle Venn diagram with purposeful leadership, purposeful engagement, purposeful accountability, and purposeful fulfillment. And we'll get into what those all mean in a minute, but they all revolved around purposeful growth. That fig tree in my backyard only knows how to be a fig tree. And its accountability is to develop fig leaves. And leaf is where all the growth happens through the miracle of photosynthesis and bear fig fruit that not only sustains humans and animals, but creates seeds that are scattered to create new growth. And I'll go into each one of those four briefly. Leadership represents the seed and the root. Now, in any organizations, you better have strong leadership or it will wither and die, much like that fig tree in my backyard. That fig tree only knows how to be a fig tree. And so if it was for the seed and the roots, it would create a solid foundation, right? But that just gets you a stump. Now what you have to have is the uh, trunk, the branches and the system of nourishment, which is called savia. And in Spanish, that translates to English as lifeblood. What's the lifeblood of any organization? It's people. So if leadership, and there are four C's, clarity, connection, communication, and commitment that leads to alignment, now within engagement, your heart, head, hands, and habits leads to empowerment. And if you do that, that's great, but then what's the accountability portion? What what are, what are we trying to achieve? We're trying to achieve fig leaves and fig fruit, right? In an organization, we know that we have outcomes that matter most. We also have obstacles that we need to get over. I don't know anyone who was in a boardroom back in the fall of 2019 who said, hey, 2020 is going to be our best year ever, except unless there's some global pandemic that may happen. Ha ha ha. Mm -hmm. so we all had to pivot the official word of 2020 um, and, and overcome obstacles that we didn't know existed until we had to face them. But then also there are outliers that are our best practices that can help us improve our current business model as well as um, obsolescence, which we want to avoid through innovation. 
and creating this path to where achievement can be sustained over time. And then that leads us to fulfillment, which serves as the ecosystem, the sun, the soil, the rain that allows that plant or in a company, the culture that creates a nurturing environment for that team member to feel like they can grow into their full potential through people, places, process, and performance. And then the cool thing, Michael, is those who have the ability to bear the most fruit have the opportunity, and I will say the responsibility, to scatter their seeds to help others along their growth journey. And so it creates this virtuous cycle of reciprocity, or what I call paying it backward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And wow. when I say pay it backward, I meant that on purpose. A lot of people think about paying it forward. Well, I call it paying it backward because when I go to Starbucks, as long as there's a car behind me, I will pay for the drinks or meal of the people behind me because I can't physically pay for the car in front of me, they're already gone. So I'm paying it backward. And what I find that when I do that, it creates a chain reaction to where that car feels led to pay for the car behind them and so forth and so on. I've been told that. And that is what I mean by this virtuous cycle of reciprocity, the law of reciprocity, and there is such a thing. Social psychologists uh, have claimed that when people have something good done for them, they tend to want to do likewise and, and many times in even greater measure than what was done for them. Yeah. And so that's how we make the world better. And so if you worked in an environment that allowed you to participate with purposeful growth, helping grow into your purpose at work, not just away from work, and that had leadership that was aligned with your purpose, who had engagement that created a sense of empowerment for you to grow into your purpose, that had this idea of accountability that created the sense of achievement that you participate in, that you have a sense of ownership in, and that created a nurturing environment that was fulfilling, that would allow you to be the very best version of yourself with your mind, body, mm -hmm. spirit, and soul. And mm -hmm. if we looked at team members that way, instead of employee ID numbers or just workers, we would treat people as a whole person. And if we did that, who would want to resign from that, right? So it is the purposeful growth revolution because we have an opportunity to create this idea of the great repurposing instead of the great resignation and just take, let's be able as leaders and managers and as someone who spent over 20 years in, this, in the C-suite, um, use this as a wake up call to lead different, to lead in a more humanistic way and to treat people as human beings and not just workers that are a means to an end. And I think there we will have the opportunity to overcome this idea of the great resignation and really call it the great repurposing because of who you serve. And we'll get into that in a minute. I, I, wanted, I wanna take it back to the roots a little bit. And I, I noticed another interesting kind of or foursome that, that popped out to me um, that, that really I think speaks to perhaps the genesis of where this all began for you. And I wanted to ask you about your experience. You you have a really unique background with um, executive leadership roles with four really well-known food chains. So I know you worked with Cheesecake at Mimi's Cafe, Schlotsky's, and then Noodles and Company as well. Um, what a unique kind of combination 
an array of different experiences with with these these really well-known and now national brands i'm curious how that how those experiences set the stage for where it all led you uh with with this leaf initiative and then we can we can unpack yeah. deeper yeah no absolutely and and i was at pepsico when it owned pizza hut before it spun off into yum brands and so forth and so i had the good fortune to um be in positions to work with outstanding leaders and mentors and the brands and agency partners and so i've seen what excellence looks like and i've tried to take the best of those examples but unfortunately i've also seen some pretty bad examples of bosses not leaders that i worked for of toxic work environments that i wouldn't wish on my worst enemy and so i've known i don't want to do that and so i've packaged this together based on my observations of those who I admire, my actual experiences, as well as research and a curation of subject matter experts that are more notable and more learned than I am. And I've packaged together in this book that I've written called The Purposeful Growth Revolution, four ways to grow from leader to legacy builder, because that's ultimately what I want to do. When I had that situation at Mimi's, um, I took uh, a year off and I really used that time not only to consult with my church um, in Valencia, California, real life church, but also to work on myself. So I created a personal brand as someone who's a, a, a branding expert. I thought, well, I need to be able to brand myself. We're all, we all have a personal brand, whether we know it or not. And I decided I wanted to start with purpose, like use this opportunity as my own time out to repurpose. and. and understand what I'm on this earth to do versus yeah. just chase another job, right? right? And so I created a purpose statement, which says, I don't want to just make money and retire. I want to make a difference and inspire. Exactly. And that means making a difference in the lives of others and inspiring them to want to do likewise, which creates that kind of virtuous cycle of reciprocity or what I call paying it backward, right? I then turned it into uh, this idea of a, a, a brand positioning. And it came down to four words that jumped out at me when I had a good friend, Noel Upham, years ago, when I was uh, uh, head of sales and promotion at JCPenney, and he was on the agency side, and, and I've, I've known him for a number of years. He says, Mark, you seem to be at your best when you're genuinely inspired by a cause that you truly believe in and yeah. are most passionate about. So I wrote down these four words. I wrote down cause fighter, passionate, believer. Um, and and uh, you looked at this idea of belief and what do I believe in? And then how do I now align my time, my talents, my treasures, and my triumphs and travails, which are my experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And how do I package that together into a purposeful growth plan? And so I put this together and made it to where there were going to be companies and opportunities that I want to work with that are aligned with my personal brand. And I did not take calls or pursue recruiter calls from people that I didn't feel were aligned with my personal brand. And I could give you some examples, but I don't want to embarrass anybody. Um, so then I took on these roles that I thought would be a great fit, whether it was uh, CMO at Schlotsky's, uh, or Noodles and Company, or SaladWorks, which became WowWorks. These were aligned with my personal brand and then also allowed me to test this leaf growth model. 
in a real live um, branding and company situation. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to report that there are many examples in my book that happened as a result of me taking on these roles when I wasn't 100% ready to move forward with the book and the related speaking, consulting, and e-learning opportunities that I'm doing now. And I believe that was um, a God-given thing because not only was I not ready, I don't think the world was, was ready for that. I think COVID now has opened up the possibility of people thinking on a more purposeful level than just climbing the corporate ladder and how much money can I make and what's my bonus going to be and how am I going to spend it and this kind of consumerism, me, me, me world. It's now more, I take it from me go to we growth. Mm -hmm. And that's the final chapter in the book. And so it's really all about how do you take what you uh, think inwardly and now how do you uh, give it back and scatter your seeds outwardly yep. to help others along their growth journey. And I think that that's a great place to kind of um, get, get into a little bit as we approach the natural culmination of this conversation. I guess my question around that is really what do you see as the future for you with what you're doing with leaf growth and then in terms of how that relates to again what we're seeing where we're seeing the, the workforce kind of revolt revolt into i guess um how, how do you see that kind of marriage happening into the future for you yeah i think that the the first thing i'll i'll say michael is that um i'm a big fan of simon sinek and the whole start with why movement and his yeah. thesis of the, the three circles or the magic circle that has three parts people want to know why you do what you do before they care how you do it and even what you do I agree with all that, except for I think he's missing one powerful thing. I think who you serve is even more important than why you do what you do. In fact, it leads you to your why. And I believe there are four integrated circles like that Venn diagram that have yes. four categories of service. Could be spiritual, could be relational, could be personal and professional. And they're all intertwined that make us a whole person. And so as we look around the corner to where is this going, I really believe that management and leaders of organizations are going to be really, uh, you know, having to, 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 to think and do things radically different than their status quo of how they did what they did to get in their positions because younger people are not gonna take it. And so I think it's gonna create this more humanistic work environment where we're not gonna use terms like prison or toxic work environment. We're gonna be able to have a chance to play at work. Um, and as a matter of fact, uh, Rolf Jensen, who wrote this book years ago, um, you know, talked about this idea of, you know, hard fun. And that was, you know, how we can work in an environment that allows us to have fun and be as creative as we're capable of being. And I think the other thing we're going to see is this idea of DEI. It's going to it's going to take on a new meaning because um, again, I believe in the higher power of fours and the rule of threes. And we're already starting to see people add the B for belonging because I believe that diversity just gets us in the door and a seat at the table uh, through inclusion and equity gives us an equal voice. But if we don't have a sense of belonging then we're still going to feel like a fish out of water and we're maybe not going to be as vulnerable um, and or throw ideas out there for fear of retribution or 
what will they think? Um, and hey, I finally got in the seat at the table. I don't want to rock the boat, right? But if you have this sense of belonging, you're going to feel comfortable sharing your ideas, whether you think they're any good or not, because who knows, they may spark somebody else to come up with something greater. And, or you may not then withhold uh, authentic critique on someone else's idea that may be necessary, because I believe that we need agitators to agitate the status quo versus someone who says, well, do they fit our culture? Well, they, yeah, they, they better not be a jerk, but they also need to be agitators to ask the questions, why, or what if, or have we thought of this? and not have someone say, well, we always do it this way, or yeah, guess what? That's gonna get you creeping incremental growth maybe, or even stay the status quo, but it's not gonna get you step function change growth. And with all the headwinds facing businesses today, from climate change, to oil prices, to supply chain, to labor issues, to you name it, there are a number of headwinds facing business today, now inflation, right? Yeah. So you can't grow by just doing what you did last year or right. doing things a little bit different. You're going to have to make step function change growth. And that means you're going to have to think radically different and create a revolution within your organization to where people feel like they're part of a movement, part right. of something that's going to make them feel a sense of fulfillment versus, again, punching in a clock and or pulling a shift and getting paid every other week. It's time for the purposeful growth revolution. It is on. I couldn't agree more. Where can people go to grab your book and to connect with you to learn more about these topics? Yeah, I think the best place would be my website, which is www.markamears, M-E-A-R-S. Make sure you put the A in, that's my middle name, .com. And uh, you can then find out about the book. You can pre-order it, or it's available right now in paperback on Amazon as the Purposeful Growth Revolution, Four Ways to Grow from Leader to Legacy Builder. And I would like for you to connect with me or follow me on Facebook. And connect would be better because I want to hear from you and I want to learn from you. And I look at this as two-way interactive dialogue versus one-way top-down monologue. And that's how I grow. And that's how I stay supple and fresh throughout my life cycle. Because last time I checked, there is no retirement age for that fig tree in the backyard. It continues to want to grow up into its purpose as long as the elements will allow. And throughout history, there have been fig trees or olive trees that have grown hundreds of years. And, uh, you know, the mighty oak tree and think about the redwoods in California, you know, we are not put on this earth to just work and pay taxes and retire and die. Okay. And that's why I say, I don't want to just make money and retire. I want to make a difference and inspire. And I want to do that till my dying breath, because that's what I feel like I'm put on this earth to do. And in doing so, if I can help others along their growth journey and in some way motivate and inspire them to do likewise, that's going to help create a better world. And that's where I'll feel like now I've wrung out everything I got and it's time for others to, to pick up that baton and take it down the, the track after I'm gone. Mark, thank you so much for all of the great insights and stories today. This has been a great conversation. My pleasure, Michael. I appreciate what you do, buddy.
The topic of conscious capitalism is one that I'm incredibly passionate about, if you could not tell, and one that I think is going to only grow in importance as the planet continues to awaken and more people feel the urge to step into their purpose and to pursue freedom and the fulfillment and the joy that not just working from home, but that truly finding that marriage between your purpose and your profession can offer. One that I am constantly and continually in pursuit of myself. So with that being said, I hope you guys found value in this episode. I want to give a special token of gratitude to my guest, Mark Mears, and I will see you in the next ep. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. My book, Content Capitalist, is on sale now. Grab your copy by visiting my website or tapping the link in the episode description. I also just released the online learning portal, which expands on what I share in the book. This includes four hours of edited, captioned video tutorials and trainings, plus dozens of downloadables and templates. Between the book and the e-academy, you're going to be equipped to literally blow your revenue targets out of the water and eviscerate your competition this year, all by putting content at the core. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, comment, and share all the things and hit me up on LinkedIn if you'd like to connect. I am here to serve you and that's it. I will see you in the next episode.